2: Today is September 20th, 2012, but the message that you're going to hear today will be applicable in the year 2014, the year 2020, the year 2050, because these messages are timeless. This is Radio Wave with your host, a friend of Megagoria. In
3: Psalms 69 it says, More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without that cause. This, of course, can be applied to this nation. Why do people hate this place? Yet it's the only nation in the world where people immigrate. It's its first choice. Yet it's despised. It's resented. It's filled, filled with plots to destroy it. They fired the first shot. Talks about some of this. That the United States of America has to be brought down, has to be crushed. If Satan's plans, I already spoke of August 2011, was to destroy the world. Why? Because we're the wall that separates evil. His full reign is full run on the world to the rest of the world. But yet, why does it say, more in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause? We're the most prosperous uh, nation on earth, the one most charitable in the history of the world. We give more than any other nations. Because it says, let not those who hope in thee put the shame through me. So, what's happened to our nation? We're a Christian nation. It's Jesus who said, they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But why is that principle happening now if we're walking with Christ? It's because we're not. If we were, it wouldn't be happening. It's because we vacated that position that we have economic difficulties and grave problems and that we're under judgment because of moral decay. Because we were the sign in the world of God's light, the city on the hill. So the woes that beset us are due to judgment through us And it's just hated. It will always be hated. But when they come to power, they have might to destroy us. Look what eighteen men did at nine eleven. Changed the whole world against a mighty nation. The scripture verse goes on. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lice. The Middle East has no power. Yet we're cowed down to it. We're in submission. Enemies are attacked. It's because we are grown flat. We are weak. We've not lived who we are. We are a Christian nation. No apologies offered. No political correctness presented to anyone that we have to lay down with this or submit it to some other religions. You've got a right to be another religion. But this is a Christian nation. And when it ceases to be carrying out fully as Christian life, what happens to it? God's not going to be there with his zeal. Jesus won't be there to help us. And puny people gain might over the might of our nation. It's incredible when you think about it. Where's our resolve? We don't have any. Because we're weak Christians. We're weak in fulfilling our duty. A little further down... And verse 9 says, For the zeal of my house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult thee have fallen on me. That's when God will come and turn the tables upside down, when Jesus did it in the temple. When it falls on him, when those insults against our nation is against him. But it's not against him because he's withdrawn because we're not with him. If we get with Jesus, then he's our defender, he's our protector. Not our arms. Not our economic power. Not our genius, and our inventions, not our technology. Jesus is. Period. For the zeal of my house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult thee have fallen on me. How do we get to that position? Where has Jesus been insulted? He's withdrawn from us. Further and further. Oh, you can say, yeah, the messages say, never has God been so close. But that's for those who've adopted that. But as a nation, God's not going to allow His Son to be insulted. And when we put Jesus in the first place, we become united to our Lady's heart. As she's united to our Son's heart, God's not going to allow our enemies to insult us because it's insulting His Son. They can insult it now and attack us because they're not attacking the Son. We're not with Him. He's not first place. He's secondary. In essence, this is, the, this is our problem. And so we see many judgments, many things changing in our culture. Many things that we have now won't be here tomorrow. And don't think we're going to rescue them in November 6th and something's going to change. Oh, there's going to be change. We've heard a lot about change in the last election. And it's coming. And it's real. But it's because of us. And until we wake up and see these things, nothing else is going to change to our favor, but always to our
2: disfavor. Nine things that will disappear in our lifetime. Whether these changes are good or bad depends in part on how we adapt to them, but ready or not, here they come. This is an article that was sent us by one of our supporters. Number one, the post office. Get ready to imagine a world without the post office. They are so deeply in financial trouble that there is probably no way to sustain it long term. Email, FedEx, and UPS have just about wiped out the minimum revenue needed to keep the post office alive. Most of your mail every day is junk mail and bills. Number two, the check. Britain is already laying the groundwork to do away with check by 2018. It costs the financial system billions of dollars a year to process checks. Plastic cards and online transactions will lead to the eventual demise of the check. This plays right into the death of the post office. If you never paid your bills by mail and never received them by mail, the post office would absolutely go out of business. Number three, the newspaper. The younger generation simply doesn't read the newspaper. They certainly don't subscribe to a daily delivered print edition. That may go the way of the milkman and the laundryman. As for reading the paper online, get ready to pay for it. The rise in mobile Internet devices and e-readers has caused all the newspaper and magazine publishers to form an alliance. They have met with Apple, Amazon, and the major cell phone companies to develop a model for paid subscription services. Number four, the book. You say you will never give up the physical book that you hold in your hand and turn the literal pages. I said the same thing about downloading music from iTunes. I wanted my hard copy CD. But I quickly changed my mind when I discovered that I could get albums for half the price without ever leaving home to get the latest music. The same thing will happen with books. You can browse a bookstore online and even read a preview chapter before you buy. And the price is less than half that of a real book. And think of the convenience. Once you start flicking your fingers on the screen instead of the book, you find that you are lost in the story, can't wait to see what happens next, and you forget that you're holding a gadget instead of a book. Number five, the landline telephone. Unless you have a large family and make a lot of local calls, you don't need it anymore. Most people keep it simply because they've always had it. But you are paying double charges for that extra service. All the cell phone companies will let you call customers using the same cell provider for no charge against your minutes. Number six, music. This is one of the saddest parts of the change story. The music industry is dying a slow death, not just because of illegal downloading. It's the lack of innovative new music being given a chance to get to the people who would like to hear it. Greed and corruption is the problem. The record labels and the radio conglomerates are simply self-destructing. Over 40% of the music purchased today is catalog items meaning traditional music that the public is familiar with, older established artists. This is also true on the live concert circuit. To explore this fascinating disturbing topic further, check out the book Appetite for Self-Destruction or the documentary Before the Music Dies. Number seven, television. Revenues to the networks are down dramatically, not just because of the economy. People are watching TV and movies streamed from their computers, and they're playing games and doing lots of other things that take up the time that used to be spent watching TV. Primetime shows have degenerated down to lower than the lowest common denominator. Cable rates are skyrocketing, and commercials run about every 4 minutes and 30 seconds. I say, good riddance. It's time for the cable companies to be put out of our misery. Number eight, the things that you own. Many of the very possessions that we used to own are still in our lives, but we may not actually own them in the future. They may simply reside in the cloud. Today, your computer has a hard drive and you store your pictures, music, movies, and documents. Your software is on a CD or DVD, and you can always reinstall it if need be. But all of that is changing. Apple, Microsoft, and Google are all finishing up their latest cloud services. That means that when you turn on a computer, the Internet will be built into the operating system. So Windows, Google, and the Mac OS will be tied straight into the Internet. If you click an icon... It will open something in the internet cloud. If you save something, it will be saved to the cloud. And you may pay a monthly subscription fee to the cloud provider. In this virtual world, you can access your music or your books or whatever from any laptop or a handheld device. That's the good news. But will you actually own any of this stuff? Or will it all be able to disappear at any moment in a big poof? Will most of the things in our lives be disposable and whimsical? It makes you want to run to the closet and pull out that photo album, grab a book from the shelf, or open up a CD case and pull out the insert. Number nine, privacy. If there ever was a concept that we can look back on nostalgically, it would be privacy. That's gone. It's been gone for a long time anyway. There are cameras on the street, in most of the buildings, and even built into your computer and cell phone. But you can be sure that 24-7, quote-unquote, they, know who you are and where you are right down to the GPS coordinates and the Google Street View. If you buy something, your habit is put into a zillion profiles, and your ads will change to reflect those habits. They... try to get you to buy something else again and again. All we will have left that can't be changed are memories. And then probably Alzheimer's will take that away from you too. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. 1 Peter 5, 6.
3: Of course, this is has one theme running through each one of these things listed of the nine. Their judgments, guess what, that is you know, going away. It's going away because God's judged it to be so. Years ago, we went into the post office and we have a lot of mail. <clears throat> we have actually 50 cases every day going out if they fired the first shot. Plus, that, that's just cases. We have many, many single orders going out, carts full of those going out. The post office said, this is really good because they're going through evaluation right now. So this helps them in our local post office. Yet, the post office is going away. Why? Because there's a lot, of, a lot of corruption in it. We would go downtown sometimes. We had big mailings. We had to bring a whole truckload in. And you had to go into a big room. You had to take a number. One of our people went in there. There was nobody in there. So he went to the counter, waited on the two women, and they kept chatting with each other. They went on and on and on. Finally, he says, wait on me. They said, We can't. Why? You gotta take a number. Stupid, ignorant, no common sense. The post office has to be run by rules and they can't break it. Even when there's no one else in the room, they don't have the logic to realize. Or they don't have the liberty to act on, because there's so many violations that they gotta run the thing by. Legalism. That will never work. So there's a judgment against the post office. What kind of mail does it have? Usually they couldn't carry anything bad, a vulgar. It was against the law. Now they do that. So they're a conduit for a lot of things that's not within God's blessing. The book is a good judgment against that. Or rather, it might be better said, a judgment against the mentality of owning a book. There's not truth in your mentality, so there's judgment against those who think the book's going to go away. Oh, it will. Don't tell me that this Kindle or whatever else it may be electronically is the same thing as opening up a book and seeing our Wild West scene and meditating on that scene. It may be convenient, and that's the judgment, to make it, Make you fall into what's your God. To trust it, it's gonna be there. Marticello, when you go there, Thomas Jefferson has his library books there. And he was considered very wealthy just for these few shelves of, of books. But he loved these books. The word of God lasted several thousand years in the Dead Sea scrolls. I don't think a Kindle would have. Watch what you trust. Don't believe what judgments are happening because it's a judgment against this technology that we're putting so much faith and trust in because it's going to betray you because it's just an idol. Landlines, we're at Katrina. The only thing that was up, all the cell phones, the only thing that worked within a day or two was landlines. We are in an incredible Perilous situation, getting rid of our payphones and our landlines. This is the stay-in-power. This is the most reliable. When catastrophe hits, that's what they relied on. South Central Bell or AT&T, whoever it was, came in and started putting up stations of payphones. Everybody had the cell phones. The towers were knocked down. The reception was poor. If they even got it, they cut out of two seconds. There are isolated, no communications. There are lines waiting to get on a payphone. What does that tell you about catastrophes or disasters? Where's our common sense? We're placing all our eggs in one baskets. It's the technology. And so we get rid of the reliable. You never go to war without backup plans. You never go into catastrophe without backup plans. What works you don't get rid of, and yet we're getting rid of it because we have a judgment against us because we're following something and it's our God. Judgment against primetime TV shows. Where are they going? Where are they full of filth? Mocking their fatherhood and so forth and so forth. You think they're going to be able to maintain their money and keep going and continue? No, they're going away because God's decided that to be so. So we got a judgment against trust in man. And we're going to curse these things later. A judgment against our true liberty by the loss of privacy because we haven't lived the way we're supposed to live. We got something sent to us about farmers, how much money they have to make to have an average income of $46,000. They'd have to have 1,700 sheep or 2,000 hogs To make forty six thousand dollars, who's got that? The average income of ninety point five percent of people who have farms those of you custom across across the countryside is two thousand six hundred and fifteen dollars twenty five hundred bucks that's what they make. They all got jobs they work at the co-op they work for the power company, they work at the factory they work doing something else or carpentry. But see, even in this, there's a judgment against farming because we've done it the wrong way. We need the corporate farmers. We need the wheat farmers. We need the corn growers. We need all that the way the structure is now, yeah. But for the little farmer to think he can make a living out of it, he can. We're thinking wrong. It's just a simple change of mentality. There's a judgment against the mentality where we're trying to do it. Half of that $46,000 is food and things that would come from, if you grew it yourself, if you harvested it yourself, and provided it for your needs, that's the kind of sustainable subsistence living we need to be in. The not that Having not the need to go buy the food. Have it coming from our ground to our mouth. That's the economy. And that's building wealth. Your labor, your milk, just what you, for a big family, what milk bill would be. So a lot of these people... On the sheep wouldn't be growing the cattle wouldn't be doing this and they're trying to make $46,000 take half of that just could be knocked off drop down to twenty-five, because you make that and actually the way you would eat on a, on a, on a farmer subsistence living I wouldn't say it's a farm just living that way you're going to eat better than if you had to buy make at the purchase price of what you eat and what you produce you're probably looking at a pretty hefty income maybe 25000 $30,000 worth of good food you can eat good. You can eat everything you want. And so we're thinking things the wrong way. We can't be in a subsistence living or farming. We need to be in a subsistence living, rather, by not having the need for income. That's income. That's wealth. So there's judgments against everything in the way we're going. We have to really look at, draw back, step back, and look, hey, we're doing this the wrong way. Why would you want why would you want to keep up with seven thousand or seventeen hundred sheep to make forty six thousand dollars? Better have a little side job, have your milk cow, have your beef cow, have your couple of hogs, have the ability to make cheese, your milk, your chickens, your eggs, chicken for meat. This is this is and and not be buying these things in your garden. It's a whole lot better the way to live. So these nine things that's going to go away, when they go away, what will we be doing? What I'm telling you. Getting your ground, or rather getting your food from your ground to your mouth. This is the way, and the sooner we wake up, the better off we're going to be. Frank, you there?
4: Yeah. Not to mention how much you'll save on uh, doctor's visits and uh, how much healthier you'll be and how much more productive you'll be by eating your own food raw. am milk. It's tremendously good for you.
3: It's consequences to the judgments... Th- these things God's making judgments against as consequences to do those things, which is bad health. many, many side issues and indirect issues clear themselves up. Marriage problems, you know, when you gotta to work together. You used to you had to have a man and a woman at home. You couldn't do it like you do now. It kept people married. It was good for family. It was good for work ethics. There's a whole string of things that come from this. That's why God ordained the by you what your buy, shall you eat. A woman's wants should be for her husband's wants. You know, it's this, it's just. it just goes on and on and on. And so it can't be any other way that he's not leading us to this in some way. But go ahead, Frank.
4: Yeah, if I could add three other things to, to the list uh, because of our ministry and, and what we're doing and what we're doing to help you prepare is uh, certainly Social Security will be gone. The purchasing power of retirement accounts and traditional investments will be gone. And the fiat monetary system will be gone because it has a one hundred percent failure rate. So we can add those to the list of things that will be gone. And it, that's what we're here for. Is um, the world was in so much trouble that God sent His Mother? Because there's nothing that could help us or benefit us more than Our Lady.
3: Well, everything, and, everything we're looking at now, and everything we're we're complaining about, and everything. They're talking about all these problems. It's a judgment against it. That's, we need to look at everything and say that problem is there because there's a judgment against it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a problem or God will resolve the problem. That's what was in the verse there about my zeal for the house has consumed me. And the insults of those who insult thee have insulted me. God will rectify what insults them. We've got to just adopt Christ in our heart in the first place in our culture, our economy, our works, our politics, everything we do in our institutions.
4: So what way better can we bring conversion to the world than the miraculous medal? Our lady says she wants us to have blessed objects on us. She wants us to have blessed objects in our house, blessed objects around us. How do Protestants do this? How do um, Jewish people and other religions that don't believe in blessed objects well, Our lady has an answer for that and the miraculous medal is an answer for that uh, we were I was out with a friend last night and uh, the other night and he introduced me to uh, two friends of his businessmen they were Jewish and one was a former Israeli soldier and a uh, very successful businessman and uh, I gave him a tenth of to announce the one was getting getting married I think his fiance was probably Christian and told him the story the Christmas story the the Virgins shall uh, give birth. And I said, she carried God in her womb. Now you carry carry Mary on your person. They're very touched by this. They're Jewish, but they weren't offended at all. And they, and no one will, will give back this beautiful silver. Everyone understands silver. So everyone can have Our Lady. And everyone can have Jesus is where Our Lady will, will lead them to. But um, if I could, I'm, I'm very excited uh, about uh, a friend of Magic Warrior coming to Ohio. If I could uh, just say that you'll be in Cleveland and Toledo on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th of October. These events are, are very exciting, a great opportunity to develop community. So anyone on the East Coast uh, can go to Cleveland. Anyone in the Midwest can come to Toledo. And uh, this is very exciting. Uh, and the book they fired the first shot, 2012, is... Uh, the, the best thing that, that, that's happened to us and um, it, it's going to be very exciting so yeah. everyone that can make it put it on your calendar
3: really Frank I didn't know all this stuff
4: <laughs> <laughs> somebody's been cannot- I didn't
3: even, somebody's been behind cannot- my back huh
4: <laughs> I had a customer tell me it's like are you going to Cleveland in front of my Jagori it's going to be there it's like he didn't tell me this <laughs> I, I felt bad and, and he goes set something up in Toledo we, we put off a day for you So, <laughs>
3: well I just found out a little bit about it before the show I, I knew I was going somewhere. I didn't know where. I, there's a lot of calls out right now because we're going to start speaking about they fired the first shot. It's released now. It's getting out. We're having an incredible response. Uh, actually a shocking response. Um, it's it's 25 years in the making of all the plans of Medjugorje. It's a complete plan that brings things to the point where the plan is established and is ready to be executed. So the execution of something that is established through Medjugorje through here is actionable and I think that's what brings people the hope after they finish the book and without it there's no hope Frank Ryder Tom what, how do they get in contact with you
4: you can call us toll free uh, 877-936-7686 you can email us at global silver investors at yahoo.com and
3: you can also visit our website at global silver dot com ok Well, until next time, which what's today? The October, I mean, the September? The the
2: 20th of September.
3: Oh, so we'll be doing the 25th show before next Thursday then. What day is that going to be? Two days before would be Tuesday. Tuesday. So Tuesday. (laughs) So we'll be talking to you (laughs) Tuesday with, uh, of course, the 25th message of Mariana, of Maria. And then following that would be the second. But between that would be the Thursday message on my show. Until then, we wish you our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.